Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Doc's Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. And this week, we have the YA book-slash-film phenomenon Twilight on the Brain, which means vampires. And we wanted to talk about vampires mostly because we wanted to talk about the bizarro pregnancy and birth of one Bella Swan. I guess of her giving birth, not her birth. But anyway, when we started... Kind of doing our research into that, we realized that there was a lot more ground to cover than we originally thought. Like, a lot. There's a lot of stuff here. Um, And so this episode is a little longer than our usual episode. And not only is this episode a little bit longer, but it's actually just the first of three episodes that we're going to be doing on vampires and specifically Twilight stuff. So strap in for three episodes about Twilight. Yep. Um, And we, in this episode, we're going to just start with the basics. And just as a little warning, uh, some of this discussion is a little bit graphic and gross, but then again, this is a medical adjacent podcast. (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to cover vampires in history. Vampires in pop culture. And then whatever the hell the Cullens are supposed to be in Twilight. Enjoy. Okay, Deepa, let's go to rants. So we're talking about vampires. We are talking about vampires. (laughs) And, you know, I know that this idea came up a little bit quickly, offhandedly, and uh-huh. uh, I said we should really do an episode about vampires, and so that has turned into three episodes about vampires <laughs> once well, we started said, doing our research. We should do an episode about Twilight and That's some true. of the ridiculousness there, and then we were like, oh, well, if we're going to talk about vampires, we should really like give some background. And then it turns out it's irrelevant, which we'll I get mean, to spoiler later alert. This <laughs> spoiler alert, two things. There's a lot yeah. of stuff about vampires. And second, the Twilight vampires have nothing to do with it. Yep. So, too long didn't read. That's what this episode is about. <laughs> That's what it's about. Um, but yeah, so first, first we're going to talk a little bit about kind of vampire vampires as like mythology and in history. Um, and the vampire myth is basically like, depending on how you define it, it's impossible to pinpoint where it originated and it's very, very old. So yeah. there are mentions of kind of like, mythological creatures or demons or kind of like evil spirits that were summoned through sorcery like in ancient egypt and then in like chinese mythology there's a creature um called the jiang shi which is a demon or no it's an undead soul like a soul that a necromancer either like raised from the dead yeah like a zombie-ish situation or like death through like unfinished business like suicide and then that soul like comes back to life like that body comes back to life so it's still a little bit of an undead zombie situation but they Mm -hmm. suck the life force out of people like that's their thing so that's also kind of like a vampire-y myth yeah i'll give a disclaimer Um, that neither of us are like content experts on this correct and we are just looking we're we're looking most of this up that is the theme of all of the episodes that's true anytime we're telling you anything The medical stuff, Um, we have the expertise. The rest of it is whatever other people tell us. Yeah. But I think a lot of the folklore 
Um, or a lot of the mythology around the vampire as we conceive of them today is rooted in like Slavic folklore specifically, right. like Eastern European folklore. Right. Um, and there were links throughout history, but particularly in the 18th century between like outbreaks of disease, often tuberculosis or something like that. And then um, what one paper called vampire epidemics where like people in villages would the vampire like story would get told and retold more frequently. And then what would happen is they would go and unearth and like disinter buried bodies. So one of the most, I think like famous examples of this was this village. I don't remember the name of it, but if I, I'll look it up and put it in the liner notes was this village that, um, like had a outbreak of tuberculosis and the first person that died from it was buried and then they kind of like decided that it was his fault that, that everybody, everybody else got other it. people were getting tuberculosis and dying i mean so what they did was they went one should not i mean like not which is not blame to it, a disease outbreak right but right contact tracing yes. but but like so so their solution was to go basically like dig up his body and the bodies of his family okay and then like stake them and burn them and so this is like a, in a in, to try to cure everyone else's TB, right? To like okay. get rid of the curse of the vampire on this village. Ah, got it, got right? it, got it. And this is like a a um, pattern that has happened repeatedly throughout history. Like, and it's not limited to Europe. There's a folklorist who studied this phenomena in, phenomenon in New England. So in like the 1800s, mostly the 1800s, there were like 80 exhumations that he documented. I mean, it's like, like from, Maine. <laughs> from the people that brought you witch burning. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. So it's like the fall of witch burning, but in Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, et cetera, like yeah. repeatedly, you just see this pattern of like something happening to a small village and then people being like vampires and then digging up a it bunch was of people. The, the people who just died. It was them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there is a historian who wrote a book about this and um, about like where the vampire myth might have originated. And his theory, his name is Paul Barber. And his theory is that potentially the myth arose from the attempt to explain decomposition and how it looks different between like a body that's buried and how it looks different, like time of year, depending on factors like like, envir like environmental factors. Right. Like yeah. we don't even totally understand today, like what decomp looks like, right? Like in all situations. Right. Although we understand the processes behind it. So like back then his hypothesis is that the expectation was that bodies would just rot the way that they rot. Cause you've seen it like happen, not buried bodies, just like, like in, open air in open air. Yeah. And then, um, their expectation was that, oh, you buried this person, you know, weeks ago or something like that, even months ago, and that they would look like what you would expect a rotting corpse would look like. And then yeah. when they, like, disinterred them because they were buried in a coffin or because it was winter, depending on, like, geographically when and where this happened, um, their bodies didn't look as decomposed as people expected, which led to this idea of, like, them not being mm -hmm. fully dead. Yeah. And then in addition, because during the decomp process, you have, like, gases that are building up inside the body. Corpses can swell. Yep. BT Jeffs, this, this episode's really gross. It's going to be gross. Sorry. Top. Anyway, yeah. corpses can swell. You can say it in the intro. 
and and um, the breakdown processes of different elements of your body kind of add to this like folkloric idea of what vampires look like. So like fat can saponify, which means like turn into soap kind soap, of, but yeah. it gives like box bodies like a waxy look that almost looks like they're alive. Quote unquote. You can't see the air quotes that I'm doing, but like alive. I see them. Yeah, you can, Diva can see them, but you guys can't see them. Um, and then in addition, like the skin tends to contract, right? As you lose right. moisture and as things dry out. And so when the skin contracts or in soft tissue contracts in general, it'll make like teeth look more prominent. It'll like make bones look, bone structure look more severe and prominent. And then um, it'll make things like your nails look longer because you're, your, your skin is like retracting, like retracting back from them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this and is then, what I remember as like when I remember when we learned, like when we read uh, Dracula in school, we sort of went over this idea of like this particular uh, phenomenon of like right. that some vampires were described like this as more just right. like kind of swollen, weird looking things. <laughs> as like more what you would think undead creatures would look yes. like potentially yeah. yeah and not like the you know handsome aristocrats Sexy angel people yeah. yeah and and um so so people would find this and then the other thing that would happen is is like there were a lot of documented cases of people saying things like and they had fresh blood like in their nose or mouth right and usually what they were seeing was like breakdown products of like blood and other fluids in the yeah. body as like decomp happened. Um, and so the solution is when they found this and it looked supernatural and then bad things were happening, what they would do is they would, they would do like kind of a cleansing or like a vampire burial, which meant that they would like stake the body through the heart. Right. Naturally. And then like put potentially behead them, depending on where you were, maybe Ooh. put a brick or a rock in the Their vampire's mouth. mouth. I'm not 100 percent sure what that was doing. Probably just because <laughs> it's, an, it's a, just close all the holes, I guess. Right. Maybe. And then like, um, or like burn the body completely. Okay. And and they and this further kind of confirmed this idea that something supernatural was happening because if you stake like a dead decomposing body, like there was documentation that people said they would hear like an audible groan and then like bleeding, like a lot of copious bleeding uh, would happen. Yeah. But it's probably actually just like it's gases, just gases that were released. Yeah. And like if you were to just, like liquefied stuff. Yeah. Like when you <laughs> like you can make a high pitched sound out of a balloon. Right. You know, right. like an inflated balloon. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, so we, we know like, this now. Imagine what people are going to say about the things that we 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 are doing now, I mean, 200 years from now. True. So, But it's like, if you didn't know any of this, I could definitely see how that would be really bizarre. Because if you, if you understood death to be permanent. Like, if you're like, just the town doctor, and then somebody is right. like, everybody's getting sick, and you're like, who was the first person to get sick? Let's go find their body. You right. dig them up, and you're like, hold up. I don't know what this yeah. is. And and I think part of the let's go find their body thing is rooted in this idea that like I mean they're just doing villages, an autopsy right like that's they're kind of doing an autopsy doing. but sometimes the reason why they choose the person that they choose to do the autopsy on usually it's the first person that died but like frequently what will happen also is people will say like oh I saw that person walking around at night or like I saw that person like doing some other door. weird things and and there's like an element that people don't quite understand yet about like. Well, about like mass hysteria and like fear, yeah. right? 
with these illness outbreaks and you don't understand what disease is. So you're like, right. There's no like germ theory of disease. There's no like all the stuff that we have now where people, it's just like, Oh, things could equally be bacteria, which you have no idea exists or madness. Right. Right. Or like devils. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) multiple devils. So like, so that's kind of like vampires in history. Very briefly, very briefly. which the I think people idea, have written like dissertations about. So like, oh yeah, there's like entire books about them, and they're some of them are going to be in the liner notes. So you can you can go pick up Paul Barber's book and read the whole thing if yeah. you want. Um, but like I think the idea that we have like the modern modern quote unquote I guess yeah. day conception of what a vampire is um, traces back to more like the 1800s yeah. and like the Western European idea of it basically pulls together a lot of mythology from a lot of different cultures and then condenses it into a couple of books that basically popularize the idea of vampires in Western European thinking and then has basically been carried forward into yeah. pop culture today. And then in like the 20th century, I would say that there's particular portrayals of vampires on film in yeah. movies and stuff like that that really like sort of solidified the pop culture vampire yeah there's like nosferatu is one of them and then there's like the what's his name i just read his name bella lugosi bella lugosi yeah vampire of like who his vampire is who is what all halloween costume vampires are based on (laughs) right (laughs) and i think but like this this idea so you have like that type of vampire like the halloween costume vampire and then you have the idea of this like aristocratic refined gentleman vampire a la like Anne Rice's interview with a vampire Mm. and like you know we'll get to the Cullens's and to the Twilight vampires yeah like that whole idea and that kind of comes from um one the one that everybody is more familiar with is Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah novel which was written in 1890 or published in 1897 and read by Um, yours truly at the age of 13 probably I I, I was like I I think we were way too young for that book we were way too young for a lot of the books that's that we, but then again, true. like some of those books Maybe we weren't. are actually like YA books. Like, like Dracula, not Dracula specifically, okay. but like to kill a mockingbird for. Oh, example, sure. Yeah. 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 I think that people still read to kill a mockingbird a, a little too young, but it should be read when you're young. I think I read to kill a mockingbird in fifth grade. I think I read it like is, fifth grade also. Yeah. Which I was, was like, neither here nor there. Anyway, but I was nine. Um, so there's Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then the, earlier book that bram stoker probably also got a lot of his ideas from is called the vampire but with a y so v-a-m-p-y-r-e by um i want to say his first name is john but i didn't put it in the notes but his last name is polidori (laughs) and he um italian what is he? he worked for lord byron oh okay okay and apparently they had like this this like vacation or treat or something where lord byron Percy Shelley, Mary Godwin, later Shelley, oh, right. a la Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Um, and then Polly, Polly Dory were all there together and they had some kind of like contest about who could tell like the best ghost story. And then there was like a lot of friction between Lord Byron and Polly Dory. And then after Lord Byron like made fun of his ghost story idea, like and later on when he left his, the employ of Lord Byron, he was like, I'm going to write this into a novel. So he wrote The Vampire and he named the like main, the vampire character who is like aristocratic and refined, but then like brutish and cruel. He named him after this like moniker 
that Lord Byron had already been given by a different person who wrote a novel <laughs> about Lord Byron and how terrible this he was. This is so shady. This is like it's so this is, shady. This is like you know, nineteenth century. Uh, yeah. If this were a nineteenth century gossip podcast, it would be like um polidori is totally 100%. subtweeting lord byron in his, yeah, 100%, it was in his subtweet. book about 100 it was a subtweet it and was so 19th century like, subtweet polidori's subtweet of lord byron is basically like what a lot of people think the western conceptualization of like these aristocratic refined vampires that also like have this element of kind of like seducing people and kind of like sexy vampire situation lord byron from. goes on like, twitter and he had he like posts this like four <laughs> panel notes app thing that's like yes. i have never in my life disrespected polidori he is a good <laughs> friend of mine and in fact we have vacation together i deny I thought any we of were the very close when we worked together <laughs> i was nothing but kind to him you can ask mary and percy <laughs> They were also present. And then Mary is like, Mary, she- <laughs> Mary, Mary Shelley is like, I would like to be removed from this narrative of which I never asked to be a part. A hundred percent. And then people are tweeting snake emojis at her. <laughs> anyway. anyway, Mary Shelley, um, you heard it here first is the Taylor Swift of the early 19th century. So we're going to kind of run through some of the like traits that were consolidated about vampires through those novels essentially right so bram stoker uh will folk i'm going to talk about his dracula because his is the one that i think is the earliest dracula that i know of. actually wasn't even published until almost the 20th century 1897 yeah so it was many many 1819 yeah many years apart um so his dracula is like um has an aristocratic charm of course um he but a dark and evil soul as they say and he and he also has that quality of like the pale skin my recollection is that he's tall and thin um and can assume the form of an animal and i think in the book he he turns into a bat for sure yeah Um, i think a bat and then potentially i think he might turn into a dog and some other animals i think there's like dog is very common yeah there's like uh references to you know in the book that the main character or Lucy, you know, kind of sees this animal. Yeah. You want to know um, something h- hilarious about that? About like evil dogs always. historically? Usually the form that they specifically talk about is a black poodle. A black poodle? Yep. Oh, poodles are really intelligent dogs. Poodles are really, really nice. But they apparently nice. in history, they, they don't were like, like <laughs> poodles are devil dogs. <laughs> their hair is too curly and they're too smart and they don't make my nose itch. They're hypoallergenic. So you're saying he turns into a bat. So turns turns into into a a bat. The other thing is he can control the weather. And so like in in the novel, it's always like, it's exactly what you are thinking of. That's the thing. Like culturally, (laughs) this Dracula is so in our brains that it like is Dracula. So what you're picturing right now, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's what it is, right? Like sartorial (laughs) mansion. It's always overcast. Um, And dark and stormy night. Dark and stormy night. Exactly. Raining probably. Tall, thin, pale. Um, but his lightning flashes in the window. Yes. <laughs> cobwebs, just lots of cobwebs. Um, yep. but his, uh, powers are not as intense. The, the powers that vampires have, I think, get a lot stronger over time. So yeah. there's a couple of things that they he were like, can't they can't do. just be like kind of strong, charming men. They have to have like 
other things. They have to have more things. So he yeah. can't he he can't do the thing where he he can't enter a victim's home unless invited, which becomes mm-hmm. a thing. Um, can't cross water. That's a thing. And then he also has the thing of uh, the sunlight that right. renders him powerless. It seems like his main power is like seducing his victim. Right. And he has some kind of like compulsion situation. It's not like ex- as explicit because a lot of it is like the charm, but there is like this implied kind of, it's not telepathy necessarily, right. but it's like, like people a, are drawn to him or like some kind of like. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like, I mean, as we'll talk about the true blood vampires, like, like uh, they call it glamour, you know, like you're kind right. of like entrancing. You have right. an ability for it with like telepathy, which is also going to be a twilight thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And he has some, you know, and then that's where you sort of get things like the fangs. I think they talk about his teeth, right? In I don't remember. Dracula. I think he, they do. I don't remember. I know. So I know. Like, so like the other common traits, I don't remember if this is Dracula specifically, but other common traits that we see now are like fangs. Obviously. Um, obviously. The like potentially being immortal. But, like, you yeah. can kill them specifically in specific ways, like stakes through the heart, exposure to direct sunlight, beheading. Yeah. Um, they're, the weaknesses tend to be all over the place. And you can kind of see where, like, this pulls from a lot of, like, different mythology and different, like, cultural things that you're, yeah, you know, that based on, like, your religious Right, exactly. Like, based like on because- the world around you. Right. Like, cause like there's the belief that they're evil. Like you said, even Dracula, that he's like right. dark and evil soul or lacks a soul or something like that. And so they have, they have this aversion to holy things like holy symbols. And specifically you'll see crosses and like crosses, a lot of- holy water. It's like those right. scenes in Buffy where ground, she like opens which are all a chest. Very Catholic things. So it's sure. like, it's like, you know, this, this is, you can see how like bits and pieces could be added to mythology as it goes from like culture to culture because it probably wasn't like you know crosses were the thing in, in ancient in Egypt. china right no yeah so yeah um running water we kind of talked about and then there's this thing about counting which i which haven't i have figured out of, but a, you um, an origin for but like the counting thing is there in folklore one of the things you can do is like carry a bag of salt or other like small grained thing like rice millet whatever and if you get attacked by a vampire you spill it on the ground and then the vampire has to stop and count the granules and then you can run away i mean the sesame street vampire he definitely has to count yeah he definitely has to count he'll and and it will take him so long because he'll be like one millet seed uh uh, oh my uh. god he yeah (laughs) well then he would just be fried by the sun (laughs) but i think this actually comes from potentially um a uh like Southeast Asian, well, there's there's variations of this this like ghost idea in East Asian, Southeast Asian cultures, and it's this idea of something called a hungry ghost, mm. and it's somebody who is like very greedy in life, and so like after death, their restless spirit is still very greedy, and so the counting comes from like greed and wanting to like make oh, sure that you have kind of like like being a bean counter, like just right, count, right. counting and every like, single thing that you have. Right, and and the this goes similarly. I think feeds on life force or some similar mm, idea. So I don't yeah. know if it's like borrowed from that, and then like that got lost, you know, a little bit, and so then people were like counting. I don't know, <laughs> just like <kept> going with <laughs> that. Uh, sir, add the counting in. Great. Yeah, 
And then you mentioned the transformation. Yes. The transformation. Bats bats, bats kind of make sense. They kind of go with the idea of like coming out at night. It's a nocturnal animal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't really see it. There are bats that uh, like are carnivorous and like feed on blood. Sort yeah, of. they're called vampire bats. Vampire bats. <laughs> they, um, I think, like, the book that I was reading that's actually about rabies, which we'll get to in a moment, called Rabid, mentions this. And they talk about how, like, the connection between vampires and vampire bats probably wasn't even made until Dracula, actually, where he turns yeah. explicitly into a bat. Because before that, most commonly, they would transform into dogs. Oh, like serious like, black? And stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so and the mist. I've seen that. Like sometimes they can turn. Into I think mist. that in I yeah, know. I think in Dracula they talk about mist a lot. As if I feel it, like he turns into mist. As if right? it has a character. Yeah. I mean, should I have read Dracula again before we did this? Maybe, but no. it's a long <laughs> no book. It's not even a long book. It's just I just don't. It's not read long. Dracula. It's just got other stuff to do. Anyway, yeah. um, they um, can't cast reflections. That's a big right. one. That I think I don't remember. I, I don't why. remember if it's in Dracula, but I think that when it comes to especially like. Um, using vampires in movies and tv it's extremely mm-hmm. effective because it's such a visual yeah. thing yeah, right like that's true everybody does it where you like see somebody walk past a mirror and like you see the human in the reflection and, and like, then you don't gasp. see the person behind it's a vampire them. you say it out loud you say gasp it is a vampire um, you say gasp you don't gasp and then the can't enter a home unless invited in i remember that on buffy this was a huge thing yes it i was, also just love that boundary because that's one of those things that's kind of like the vampire conceptually is, like, scary, right? Like, when I was a kid, I was scared of the yeah. idea of vampires. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the whole, like, they won't come in unless you let them. I'm like, okay. okay. As long as I don't let them in, I'm okay. Well, like, yeah, and also it's kind of like, at the no, if you want to create, like, a good character, they can't be too powerful, yeah, right? Like, danger. Otherwise, it's, otherwise, you have no, like, you. there's nothing. Yeah, that, we'll, we'll it's not an interesting that, story, you know? <laughs> So anyway, so, um, okay, so that's basically vampires. The garlic, garlic is in there somewhere. I think that different uh, cultures have different relationships to garlic in which they're offended by it. And so that's why they're like, it probably wards off evil spirits. Yeah, offended by it or potentially like it's used for cleansing. Yeah, it's people still take garlic in pill form. Yeah. I mean, garlic is excellent. It deserves to be in everything. And I would not be surprised (laughs) if it also scares away vampires. Um, okay. So now we're going to talk about actual medical things. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to move away from folklore, which we, again, are not experts (laughs) to two rare diseases that we have knowledge of also not experts in, but that we have more knowledge, have more knowledge (laughs) of. And so, and the reason that this came up was because like we said before, People, the the myth of vam- mythology of vampires came about because people had witnessed actual physiolog- physiologic phenomena. Right, right. Um, right. And, so, and so, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Just say. And so, basically, because of that, it and it, and because I think of just human nature of pattern recognition. There's a lot of theories about like potential diseases that added to the mythology of vampires. Although, yeah. again. Potentially, you didn't need any medical entities to be tied to it because the decomp thing, I think, is actually a very compelling argument for people being yeah. like freaked out about the undead. Yeah. Um, 
but so you don't necessarily need more. But the two entities that we found kind of tied most commonly to vampires were rabies and then porphyria. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, we, you always have to put a little bit of an asterisk and a disclaimer when it comes to retrospective diagnosis, um, because you, we're assuming a lot of things about people, but it's still an opportunity to like talk about two kind of interesting diseases that people don't really get to talk about. That's true. And, um, yeah, I, so like, I'm going to talk about rabies and I forgot how cool in like that terrible medical way that rabies is like rabies is super cool in a terrible medical way. Yeah. It's cool the way that you never want it to happen to you. Right. Or in general, (laughs) but it's like, (laughs) so you might think that rabies are, is like generally more connected to werewolves which makes sense, but they're because of the dog aspect. But <laughs> because given of the how dog thing, <laughs> closely dogs were also tied to vampires in folklore. Um, there was a, I believe he was a doctor um, from Spain named Juan Gomez Alonso, who published a paper in Neurology hypothesizing the link between rabies and um, vampire mythology in Eastern Europe in specific. Mm. And and he was kind of saying that like part of it is also because Historically, there was like a rise again in vampire stories at around the same time that like a major epidemic of rabies and dogs and wolves and other wild animals happened in like the 1700s. Ah, okay. And there's a lot of like shared traits that make it like a compelling argument because rabies is transmitted most frequently through like biting, right? Um, And then you have like perfectly calm, fine dogs, animals all of a sudden like going mad quote unquote and like attacking their owners attacking people that they know trying to bite stuff and then like the foaming at the mouth and things like that so there's like there's a lot of parallels there so so like what is rabies right so rabies is i'm gonna say like a bunch of things and then we're gonna break it down vaccine (laughs) preventable zoonotic disease with a near 100 fatality rate transmitted by a neurotropic RNA virus. Oh my God, you sound so smart. I said so many words there. So basically what that means is we have a vaccine for it, which means it's preventable by by vaccines. I don't have to explain what vaccines are to people. Zoonotic means that it can be transmitted from animals Animals. to humans. Animals to humans, yep. Yep. Fatality, I don't need to explain. (laughs) 100% fatality though is um, important. Yeah. Because not not all viruses are like that. I don't think any other virus. I don't think any other viruses are like is that. Is like that. I'm, I, I'll keep thinking. The only other thing I, mean, that I, I will can say think that of, like like prion diseases can be like that. Um, right. I think I think anytime you hear the medical community describe anything as even approaching a hundred percent, that's like a lot because we hedge a lot. About I mean, stuff. anything that approaches a above ten percent fatality, we're like it's too much. Yeah, two percent fatality. You're like this is a lot already. Yeah. Like, we got to do something. But 100%. But, um, so that's why we care about it. 100%. And then neurotropic means that it targets nerve cells. Yep. So neurons. Um, you don't want to explain so what RNA think, virus is? No, that's what? too much. It's oh, too yeah, complicated. RNA viruses? Well, it just means that this virus specifically has RNA yeah. inside of it, instead of DNA. Okay. Which I think we talk about RNA and DNA briefly in our mutations episode. Probably. About X-Men, which is back in season one. So, so go check that sounds out. Sounds accurate. <laughs> and I think the the like kind of spectacular is the wrong word, but it's almost like hard to believe, unbelievable. That's the word. Like, ha- like the how, how did something that's this specific yeah. happen? The unbelievable thing about this is rabies, like the genome for rabies 
only encodes five proteins. Incredible. Efficiency. Right? And then the, the fact that it targets nerve cells is like, viruses are, are like not alive and they're not dead. Like but they don't like, have a personality. Right. But <laughs> they it's almost incredibly doing. intelligent because it avoids immune surveillance, right? In your yeah. bloodstream by putting itself in a nerve. Exactly. And your nerves are not places where there are a ton of circulating immune cells, unlike, let's say, your lungs or your liver or your stomach or other parts of your body. Right. And so basically what happens is is you get a wound, usually from a bite, but it could be like a scrape because exposure to blood or saliva or even unpasteurized milk historically in some reports Mm -hmm. um, can introduce the virus into your system. And it goes from that entry point to a peripheral nerve and then it just travels up your peripheral nerves to your brain. Like yep. that's just what this virus does. And where did you find this one to two centimeters per day? Is that real? It's in the it's in the rabbit book. Oh, interesting. Which again is such a good book. You guys should totally look up look it up. It's fascinating. But um, so tall people but, get rabies slower than short people. And depending on where you get bitten, potentially. Oh, I guess that's true. Right? Like yeah. you could it could take longer or slower. But like the the typical incubation period is like one to three months. Which is also like so much time for you to <laughs> like basically just forget that you got bit by something, yeah, and then like have a weird illness happen. Three but months it can, later, it can also be like as short as a few days or up to years. Great. Like there have been reports of like five or six years have passed before like it manifested. Excellent, in somebody, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and then um, most warm-blooded animals basically yep. can be infected. And most of them can transmit it to humans. What's the animal on exams that they say? Is it bats? It's bats. Dogs. If there's a bat in the question, it's about rabies. That's true. I mean, they say bats, but dogs are actually the most commonly involved. The problem is that dogs can give you other things too. Right. That's true. But like dogs are like, it makes sense because dogs are more in contact with people than bats are. (laughs) Listen, a bat bat flew into my family's house. (laughs) <laughs> once and it was but on um we thought it was a bird and then they like my parents caught it in a little towel and they looked at it it was straight up a bat um and this but it probably was, was not a vampire bat no not that a- only vampire bats can have rabies other bats can have rabies. other too. all the bats can have rabies <laughs> no but um on on our exams when they talk about questions i'll usually say mm-hmm. it'll be a question about a person who wakes up with a bat in the room Right. So like they're they don't, not they don't necessarily know. like having been bitten or reporting a bite. They do not know if they've been bitten or not right. by the bat. And you have to like advise them on what to do. And it basically right. is treat them for rabies. <laughs> like try to catch the bat if you can. Yeah. Safely. And then treat them for rabies. But um, yeah. And then it can also affect like farm animals and um, other wild animals like foxes and beavers and et cetera. There's like apparently a specific kind of I want to say marmoset that you say that word as if i'm supposed to know what that looks like hold on it's like a kind of weasel (laughs) it's a it's in the weasel family of like creatures you know and they can be a reservoir like an what are you talking about a marmoset is a monkey is it i meant marmot then probably oh okay a marmoset is a very funky (laughs) watch you look at marmot and it's also another type of monkey (laughs) and i just don't know my animals (laughs) you need to a marmot is oh yeah a marmot is kind of it it's uh it's a weaselly looking creature. It looks creature. it looks kind of like a it looks like a gopher. Some kind yeah. of rodent. They're West all Virginia. Kind of in that yeah. Situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can be like asymptomatic hosts of rabies for like years and years. Great, great. Apparently. Great. Um so okay. So let's say so what happens is like you will get bitten by something 
you don't necessarily know it has rabies. And then like a lot of time can pass, right? And then when symptoms start manifesting, usually what happens first is basically like nondescript flu-like symptoms, so fever, mm-hmm. headache. And then the, the, the stuff that gets weird and feels like it adds to the mythology of things is stuff like frequently people re- will report despite months potentially having passed and the site being healed, they'll report like discomfort or prickling or cold sensations like at the site of where they were bitten i hate this like the initial (laughs) initial bite and then after you develop those initial symptoms that are just like really nondescript it progresses within like a matter of days to To real like to just like widespread meningoencephalitis which means inflammation of the meninges which is like the material that that is around your brain we talked about that in the Luke Cage we episode. Talk about you can that go back and listen to it. And then encephalitis is your actual brain, so inflammation of like all the, the things protective around barrier brain. around your brain and also your brain. And that is of course associated with like all sorts of things like confusion. Um, I put confusion twice in this list, so Uh-oh. apparently that's important. <laughs> Agitation, um, hallucinations, paranoia, insomnia, all sorts of things. And there's like in the book Rabid. The way that they describe it is they say, quote, aggression rises to a fever pitch. Inhibitions melt away. Salivation increases. The infected creature now only has days to live and those he will spend likely, he will likely so spend on the attack, foaming at the mouth, chasing and lunging and biting in the throes of madness because the demon that possesses him seeks more hosts. The, de- the virus doesn't know what it's doing. It's just yeah. doing things. Oh, yeah. boy. That's and whew, And that's then intense. the... The way rabies manifests, at least human symptomology, falls into generally two categories. The vast majority of people manifest what's called furious rabies, <laughs> which is 80% of cases. Furious. And that's the one that you think of when you name. think of rabies. It's a terrible name. But that's the one you think of when you think of rabies. So it's yeah. hyperactivity, um, excitability, hydrophobia. Which, that's a good one. Which is fear of water. Yep. Um, and then like aerophobia sometimes which is fear of drafts or fresh air which Mm. i was kind of like i feel like that's probably related somehow to vampire stuff too and then um death is usually due to cardiorespiratory arrest basically everyone's death is due to that yes (laughs) that's what we put sometimes when you're like i'm not sure but that is what happened yeah um and the hydrophobia thing is interesting because it's related to like the late stages of infection and it's like it's, it's not basically, it's not being afraid of being in water. It's of being afraid of it drinking can water. Be afraid of being in water, but it is specifically about the drinking. Okay. And and it's it kind like of makes a little more sense than Yeah, and it's like people will basically say like the report the reports that anecdotally historically when people have made reports of rabies, what they have described are people like even thinking about drinking water makes them have like like painful throat spasms mm. and 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 even if they're like desperately thirsty they just can't like can't do it they can't do it and then coupling fairly incompatible with with life on its own right but coupling that with like hypersalivation because you can't swallow your own spit either so like now you have spit that has potentially rabies virus in it and you can't swallow it and it's just like spitting it out out everywhere oh god yeah and then the other 20 percent. so that's 80 percent of cases and then the other 20 percent um have what's called paralytic rabies which is usually like a longer course and is harder to diagnose um and it basically is that your muscles gradually become paralyzed starting from where you were infected and then eventually you fall into a coma 
Rabies is bad, man. It's so rabies bad. is really bad. It and is so and the hundred percent fatality thing basically is like once you develop symptoms, it is basically a hundred percent fatal. There has only been yeah. one case of a person recovering, and I'm going to talk about that at the end because yeah. it's kind of interesting. But the prevention is actually through basically animal vaccination, at least in in the U.S. Like obviously, like legally, you're supposed to vaccinate your dogs. All yep. animals, all pets, cats too, yep. against rabies. And then it's stuff like don't handle wild animals. If you see animals being weird, call animal control. This was something that was interesting because I was talking to Adam about this, and there was like a few news articles I think I read a few years ago about like zombie raccoons, quote unquote. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. There was like briefly just like several articles that people were writing about like zombie raccoons, and it was basically like these raccoons that were out during the daytime and for some reason like walking on their hind legs and being very strange. Oh. And like people were like taking pictures of it. Oh, and, like, maybe taking I have video a recollection and stuff. of this. And I'm kind of like maybe they had rabies. Maybe they had rabies. Maybe they had some other kind of brain disease. Whatever it is, like stay away from those raccoons. <laughs> Just and don't go control. closer and take like, more pictures of the raccoons. Don't try to take more pictures of them. Call somebody. Yeah. And rabies then, is, is um, so interesting, yeah, because it, it's it's a public health thing that you do to animals. Yeah. yeah, and and I think it's the rabies. Like I don't know, like the vaccine obviously is extremely effective. Yeah, um, but I don't know like how often you have to re up it in animals. It's every year. Yeah, so I don't know if that would have been the case for humans. And I think it was basically just like as a public health measure, having humans vaccinate themselves against something that they are unlikely. Right, because so like the likelihood that a, that a regular person would just be have the conditions to contract rabies is actually not right, that high. Is low, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like having somebody, having everyone get a rabies vaccine every year doesn't make a lot of sense, right. necessarily. Yeah. Whereas, like your animals are more likely to get rabies than you are, because yeah. especially if you have like you know if you're out walking dogs and you let them run around in the woods and stuff, yeah. like, they're coming into contact with all sorts of things. So, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And like so there's that some people do it. let their dogs just out, yeah. walk around the neighborhood sort of. Yeah. Thing. Or if they have like a big yard or they have some land or whatever, like you yeah. just let your animals out. Yeah. And um, they can come in contact with wild animals. Yeah. And then the other part of like, um, the other thing is basically like if you get bitten, then or scraped or whatever, then you wash that wound with soap and water for at least 10 minutes and then call a doctor. But Whoever you call is basically going to tell you to go to the emergency Right, exactly. Room I was like, or come in immediately come for room. rabies yeah. post-exposure prophylaxis. Yes. Which in the United States, our like protocol is essentially like that day, ideally, you will be given um, human rabies immunoglobulin. So we give you antibodies. Yeah. And then um, you get four doses of the rabies vaccine over the course of two weeks. So you get like one dose that day and then another dose like at day three and then seven and 14, I think. Yeah, there's like a protocol. Like and usually what they do is like, at least this is what, the last time that I had to be involved in any of this was back in residency. And we would yeah. go ahead and like schedule their visits. They would basically come to the ER to get their rabies right. vaccine. Um, right. And that also helped the ER know like <laughs> how much they, they needed to keep it. it in stock and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. And also um, that that person had follow-up and that's the other thing is yeah. because it's not common, like most doctor's offices don't stock rabies vaccine. Yeah. I think like, the, oh, the places where you would get them is at the hospital or I think the health, health department. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it right. gets confusing to everybody if you like go to the ER a couple of times and then you go to the health department in terms yeah. of just keeping so Just track. go to the one place. 
please. Yeah. And <laughs> like if this happens to you. And then like re- like remind me if I'm correct or not, but if if the animal that bit you was your animal that is vaccinated against rabies, mm-hmm. do you st- I don't remember if we still do the vaccine in that case. I think you still do. Well, I guess like if your animal is vaccinated against rabies, because like, you know, if your own dog bites you, you wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, my dog might have rabies. Yeah. So like it, you'd have to have a reason to think like your own animal it's usually keeping up to date, like like if they're behaving weird or something or they were exposed, then like maybe. But it's usually like wild animal exposure or an, and then an if your animal you don't behaving know. strangely. Yeah, yeah. Or an animal you don't know or you don't know their vaccine status. Yeah. Um, and then the one big thing to note, and this is a public health thing, is like for a while people were really scared about like having to get rabies prophylaxis and the vaccine and stuff because they oh, there's the rabies. idea that that the rabies vaccine is given to you through like a billion giant needles that they stab into your stomach and that is not true like the rabies vaccine is an intramuscular injection it's just like they a give regular it to you in your vaccine arm. it's just a regular vaccine but like even in house like there was that one episode where foreman i think got exposed to rabies really and like they yeah they stopped doing the stomach thing in like the 1980s but oh even gosh. in that episode of house they gave him the injection with like a giant needle into his stomach <laughs> oh god so but that that's not what we do anymore so if you get exposed Definitely go seek treatment because, again, 100% fatality if you don't get vaccinated and stuff um, once you get – once symptoms manifest um, and we don't give you shots in your stomach. That really shouldn't be, like, the thing that stops you. But if that is something you're concerned about, that's not what happens. (laughs) If that's something you're concerned about, don't worry about it anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I thought the rabies thing was really fascinating because my initial thought was that it was only going to be linked – like, because my – Initial thought was like rabies is probably linked to werewolves. I don't know why it would be linked to somehow vampires. after reading this, it's like rabies is less linked to werewolves than it was before. In right. My mind. Right. Like you know? once I was reading about it, I was kind of like, because we're simple I can see people. a lot of elements of this in vampires and like very few. Of yeah. These it's like you get bitten by werewolves. a thing and then you start acting funny. Yeah. It's not like it's you vampires. grow hair if you have rabies. Right. I'm trying to look this thing about if your dog already has been vaccinated. The World Health Organization PDF is longer than I anticipated. <laughs> we can we can throw it up we'll in the put it up notes, in but I think that I think because I, think I remember that if it's they like, they ask a lot of questions sometimes. Uh, I remember we would yeah, ask questions about if they, if, stuff. if they like if you knew the dog um, and about testing the animal itself um, for right. rabies. And the, the animal I think is like well you have to have I think if it's your animal again you have to have some some reason why you would think. That it might have rabies. Right. Right. Otherwise, you'd have to go to the emergency room every time, like, your dog accidentally bites you or, like, Because we always used to ask in the ER, like, what happened to the dog um, and, like, or, yeah. or whatever. Usually it's a dog. Every now and then it's a cat. Um, but <laughs> because it was Texas, I feel like two times out of ten it would be like, oh, we shot him. And you'd yeah. just be like, oh, great. Okay. I think if it's a family pet and they're otherwise behaving normally, but you have reason to think that they may have been exposed, they basically get quarantined Yeah. for a while. And then if it's like a wild animal and you manage to catch it, the way that they test for rabies in animals is through necropsy. Like they do brain yeah. sampling. They have to, so do, like they have they to euthanize, euthanize the, the animal. Yeah. And then they examine it And that's why they ask it for it is, to, is yeah. to know. All right. Anyway, so I thought that was really interesting. It that's is interesting my bit about rabies. Yeah. Okay. My thing is is totally different and separate from rabies. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it's related to vampires. It is related to vampires. It's also mostly related to um, things that you have to learn about in uh, medical school um, that you sort of never think about again. Um, And also things that CSI likes to put. Oh yeah. In their shows and stuff. So I'm going to talk about porphyria and porphyria is, is it's not necessarily like one single disease. It's more like a family of diseases that are caused by a problem in uh, the machinery that builds heme. And heme is the main protein uh, that is in like your red blood cells that takes oxygen to all the different parts of your body. It's a very important protein, probably a top five protein in your body. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, It's a really super rare disorder. So when you learn about like in in medical school, you learn about this in biochemistry, right? right? Because there's this whole chain of reactions that happen that take the building blocks of heme and like make it into heme. And there's an enzyme at every single one of those little points. And all medicine is, is figuring out where something broke to, and then seeing what came right before it. And that being, there being too much of that. Right. Doesn't that make sense? Too little of the thing afterwards. And the too little of the thing afterwards, which is exactly what, uh, porphyria is. Um, and so there are different, like, so the different types of porphyria are basically problems with different enzymes in part of this whole cascade. Uh, but generally you have a buildup of an, a precursor to heme and it builds up in different parts of the body, like your nervous system or your skin or wherever. Um, and then the thing about porphyria is Generally, you have enough enzyme activity that you're still able to like make heme. And so you don't necessarily have like the symptoms of not having enough heme, right? Uh, Like being anemic and all that kind of stuff. But intermittently, you'll get symptoms of having too much of that precursor. Um, And so it's kind of interesting because the typical things that you see are neurologic and skin manifestations, which I think is why, especially the skin, is why people um, associate porphyria with vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these precursors can build up. So there's there's two main types of porphyria. There's cutaneous porphyria, and then there's acute porphyria. So cutaneous porphyria means that these precursors can build up in the skin, and they can make you very photosensitive. And mm-hmm. this type of photosensitivity is like you're in the sun, and then you get like redness, swelling, blisters, burning. So you can see like exactly why people thought this was associated with vampires. Right. Right. And like why this disease is like, oh, maybe that's how this came about. Um, And cutaneous porphyria, it's a chronic condition. So you sort of just like have it. You have to, you know, keep your skin. Again, it's quite rare. um, But like you just have to be safe with your skin and, you know, cover it up as everyone else should be doing anyway. Um, And then there's a thing. There's a thing called acute porphyria or the thing that we know mostly is acute intermittent porphyria. And this Mm -hmm. is where the precursors build up mostly in your nervous system, but they can cause these sort of like generalized symptoms that just like come in attacks. And Mm -hmm. what causes them to like, quote unquote, flare up is kind of poorly understood. It's some combination of like environmental factors. It could be like certain drugs that make it happen. It could be like certain physiological states, like if you're stressed or if you're hungry, um, or stuff like that. But some people can like walk around with this disease and not even know they have it until they're like well into their twenties. Cause people mm-hmm. are usually diagnosed like late teenage twenties to forties, that sort of thing. Um, and my, may only have a few quote unquote attacks like in their lifetime. Um, right. and so the symptoms that you kind of have are, you can have like 
nervous symptoms. And so it can be like headaches. Some people talk about like potentially like hallucinations um, and that sort of thing. You can get a lot of abdominal pain. Abdominal pain is probably like the most common symptom that you have. Abdominal pain, just pain everywhere in your Mm -hmm. body, generalized pain. And then you can also get seizures and then like other mental status changes. Like um, you can be, uh, you can even have like loss of consciousness and that sort of thing. Um, It's really, really, really hard to diagnose because these are kind of like vague symptoms and you have to have a suspicion somehow. And porphyrias are inherited And so, you know, if there's like a family history of having porphyria, then maybe people would think about it sooner and go through the steps to diagnose it sooner, which is like doing a whole bunch of testing to see like where in your heme pathway there might be a problem. Um, But, you know, if if like a 17 year old girl comes into the emergency room or to the office and says that I have a headache, my first thought isn't, oh, you must be having porphyria. Right. 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 So it is quite rare. Especially if you can go so long in between attacks. And you have like the one attack and it's not specific. Exactly. And then people can't find a cause. And then and then it happens recover, again. Recover potentially. And yeah. then it happens again later. Like Exactly. Yeah. It's and so difficult. so it's 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 interesting. And there's other things that like go with it. Like, you know, you 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 can have like blood in your urine. There's one that like makes your urine like basically there's a test you can do that'll make like your urine turn black if you have it. Um There's the this is the purple urine thing too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like your there's urine like a test pur- that you can do or something, or your urine turns purple in the light or something like that. Oh, that's right, it turns purple in the light. Yeah, so you like yeah. pee, and then because you have these like different kinds of uh, molecules that aren't normally in urine, and they react in a way to light, then it like changes the color of your urine. Yeah, that's so. that's the thing that people like to do on TV a lot. Like that was in an episode of Scrubs. Oh, for poor was he like for some reason had a urine sample on him and then like left it outside? Ah, and then it was purple. And then interesting. He was, like, porphyria porphyria (laughs) nobody is ever thinking of porphyria as the first choice also nobody there's like i don't know how why you'd carry a urine sample around on you but anyway i mean there are reasons that people do it but we won't go into that here um so uh so i think the thing that people associate with vampires is this acute intermittent uh porphyria it's a combination of like the cutaneous porphyria Mm -hmm. and acute intermittent porphyria because you just like act weird um but so i think there was like this time when people were really into this idea of porphyria being like the reason and this is also part of the dangers of like uh retrospective diagnosis um because in the 60s there were papers and in there was a paper published in the 60s in the royal society of medicine and then another one in the 80s that was actually published by aaas which is the american association for the advancement of science that like <laughs> really popularized this idea that vampires had porphyria yeah if you googled this like vampires and porphyria comes up a lot so much there are so why. many things <laughs> and but then nowadays people are actually uh, kind of trying to like walk that back uh, for, I mean, a couple of reasons. One is like, there are actual people who have this disease and uh, it's it's really not great to be constantly associated with vampires. Um, yeah. And also that when, like we talked about, like in the beginning, like there's such a breadth of like depictions of, of vampires or vampire-like folklore that it kind of like gives you a little bit of tunnel vision to just be like, oh, it's porphyria. Right. You know, it doesn't it like it kind of like takes away from the actual like development of the folklore. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so that's what porphyria is. It's it is interesting. It's not as interesting as rabies. I'll give you that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I mean, Porphyria is really interesting. Rabies is just like more interesting. Next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Porphyria is really <laughs> important because it's like on exams. Extra. It's on exams a lot. Just like all those yeah. urea cycle defects that I'm sure yeah. you remember. I just think the thing about rabies is that it's like so like I don't if you were the type of person to believe that things were designed like you could not design a better situation than rabies to like strike <laughs> terror in people the, but and as, be so efficient like as people who have both played plague inc the only problem with oh rabies is that it kills yeah. you so fast yeah you would not i mean not problem see. sorry that's not what i mean i mean in terms of that's a problem in plague inc when you're trying to be the disease but that's not what we're trying yes, to do we're trying to do it all <laughs> rabies is bad yeah rabies is bad all right, so we talked about Porphyria, we talked about rabies, and then let's talk quickly about some other vampires. Um, yeah, just we, because we want to tie the vampires that we talked about, like in folklore, to vampires today, and then we'll talk about Twilight. So I would say, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer vampires, and briefly about the True Blood vampires. Neither right. of those physiologically are all that related to the diseases that we talked about, or necessarily any specific disease. Right. Well, I think like pop culture vampires. Well, one, like like you mentioned, like likely no, no diseases are actually like, a, you know, related to vampires in that right. way, like directly. Right. Yeah. Um, But the pop culture vampires are definitely not. I mean, they basically fall into the category of like sexy, evil people. Yes. Right. Which is back to like Dracula and yes. the vampire by Polidori. Um, and so like. Buffy slash Angel, because Angel is the spinoff about the vampire dude, mm-hmm. um, is so the vampires in Buffy are basically soulless undead demons from a different dimension, which I did not recall, but that's what the wiki says. Well, technically, that they're from the Hellmouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Hellmouth is the thing. They live on the Hellmouth. It's a different dimension. Sunnyvale. Yeah, exactly. Sunnydale. Yeah. Sorry. Sunnyvale is a real place. <laughs> and and basically the idea for the Buffy vampires was that their lack of a human soul meant that they didn't have a conscience and couldn't tell like yeah. right from wrong. And they were just, just like, of, they're just like killers. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're like predators. And then they're also hedonistic because they don't yeah. care about like consequences because right. they don't need to. And apparently you need a soul to care about those things. Yeah. And then um, they, they tend to have the qualities that we associate now with a lot of pop culture vampires that you see this pattern repeated a lot which is basically increased strength and speed like superhuman senses so usually like heightened sense of smell smell oftentimes like increased vision um oftentimes healing like the buffy vampires can heal um yeah and then as can the slayer right and then they also like have the whole uh no reflection in mirrors no reflection can't come into the house yeah they um they start to smoke in the sunlight right yep that's and then they turn into and then you have to stake them or behead them. And yeah. if you do that, they turn into ash. They turn into just dust. Also, I think that yeah, probably was because it was uh, the cheapest way to go. It's <laughs> probably true. To make them turn and then into in, dust. in Buffy, they have a vampire face. They do, which is a weird, which, which is a weird thing because they walk around with a yeah. normal face until they're like about to, un- unless they're fighting or about to like suck someone's blood. It's basically like when they are in an aroused state. Yeah. In all of the meanings of that word. Yeah. So like about to fight adrenaline's going sexually about to bite people like all of those things they get this weird like face face, come out like the top half of their face (laughs) gets really like it just like there's more of it gets scrunchy and like there's no eyebrows i I would love to know who came up with this look and then and that's when their fangs come out too 
and that's what other, their fangs because otherwise out. they just look like normal people right and then um the vampire face i think also in buffy specifically is related to the fact that they're demons yeah it's like their true face or well, something like, like then they apply face. that same face to like other types of demons in buffy yes and so it's <laughs> yeah. like a motif that's you lets you know that that's right. what's happening that this is bad that the good guys right. don't have like the wrinkly forehead demon faces so you know yeah so then in true blood which i did watch the true blood um was a series that was on hbo and these vampires um had a lot of the same qualities they couldn't come out in the daytime also they had sun was bad for them um until like something happens later in the series and then they can i don't remember exactly what it was um (laughs) but they have fangs they don't have a weird face thing but they they like to drink blood they have this ability to they like I mentioned before, they glamour so they can kind of like um, entrance a person. And that's how they True like. Blood has more of the like convulsion telepathy stuff. Yeah, with the exactly. Yeah. And uh, super strength, super speed. Um, they can heal. They have endurance. They live forever. And uh, silver is uh, bad for them. That's one thing. So is, so is wood and in general. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, because also like stakes. When the vampires in um, True Blood die, it's awful. Somehow they, it's like they don't turn into just a pile of dust. They like, it's like there's like blood everywhere. It's I it's, read that they explode. They explode. It, it, they explode, like and they're filled with blood. Mess. Yeah, and yeah. so it's really gross. And like somebody has to clean it. It's it is very oh my graphic. Um, yeah. Buffy HBO. at least like they just um, turn into dust, and then they're like, I guess we'll just let it blow away in the wind. I don't know. <laughs> that's literally what they do to clean it up they just leave piles of dust everywhere they just piles of dust everywhere um and the people of sunnyvale are like this is a totally normal town um yeah so that's what that's what those vampires are like now the twilight which which is kind of like the pattern of most vampires yeah they go together they they are like related to each other vampire diaries like what are some of the other shows there's like so many of them now i don't i don't even know there was a time at which everybody was everybody was a vampire yeah, it's true. But all of those vampires share this kind of aesthetic, right. basically. Yeah, this like general idea. Now the Twilight and then we vampires. Get to Twilight. <laughs> so Twilight. Twilight was first a book series written by Stephanie Meyer that became a movie series that was released around the same time. Actually, probably like at the tail end more of um, when uh, of like of when the Harry Potter series was also released in theaters and Mm -hmm. it was a time when these like popular like ya series were very lucrative like in the movie business and Mm -hmm. so being cast into one of these was like huge and that is why we know Kristen stewart and we know robert pattinson um it's not why we know anna kendrick but she's also in these movies um (laughs) i didn't even i don't associate anna kendrick she's like a side character is my understanding yeah She's I associate a side Anna Kendrick with Pitch Perfect. I associate Anna Kendrick with Up in the Air and Pitch Perfect because she was in mm-hmm. Up in the Air with George Clooney. Anyway, mm-hmm. and this was also the time that like Jennifer Lawrence was cast in The Hunger Games. You know, it's like right, it's, right, right. it was it was all of these actors. So, I mean, it's it's no small thing. Twilight. It was a, it was huge. It was I, a huge phenomenon. It was a huge phenomenon. Yeah. And um, and it not to. I, I never read I never I never read Twilight. Okay, I'm just gonna say I have not I read, it read it and I've not seen the movies. I've seen the mo- I've seen almost all of the movies. I've not read it. I had a, I had some friends who read it and they were like it's bad, but we still saw the movies. It is it, it's we won't get into our critique of Twilight just yet. But the vampires in Twilight are very interesting because they basically depart from like all of these things. 
Yeah, they basically have nothing to do with vampires outside of the they, blood. And that we just call them vampires. Right. You know? Um, well, and so Edward tells Bella specifically that she has to say it. <laughs> The most problem, one of the one of the problematic scenes in the first movies scene. is this weird scene where Bella, so Bella uh, Swan, <laughs> who is played by Kristen Stewart, moves uh-huh. to a town called Forks um, in non-specific Pacific Northwest, um, mm-hmm. where it's cloudy all the time, uh, and uh, she meets uh, Edward Cullen, who is a quote-unquote high school student at the school, um, even though he's been alive for like a hundred years or something like that, and mm-hmm. they, I guess like each other it's actually unclear <laughs> i mean i think like they're i think they're he's basically, attracted to my her. understanding is that he's like fascinated by her and and, and, she, and physically like, like drawn to him yeah she's very drawn to him and then he the is like the first book physically is impacted by specifically the way she smells that he can't really handle it it's a lot there's a lot happening here in twilight anyway so there's like a scene where they're in the woods for some reason i and uh there's some interesting camera work happening there's a lot of really intense camera work that is unnecessary um and basically (laughs) she like lists a bunch of traits that he has and she's like you don't sleep i never see you eat and then like you can, some other stuff some other stuff and <laughs> you see all these scenes of her like looking up stuff on like GeoCities or whatever about vampires um and and she's like i know what you are and he's like i want you to say it and i was like that's yeah. a little aggressive. but there's like a really long pause and it's very awkward it's a very weird scene i've only seen clips of this movie and i feel like it's hard to watch this it like, is hard to watch only because like i know for a fact that these are good actors you know what I mean? Like, I know sure. that they are good actors. Yeah, so that's true. It's so challenging. Okay, there's that. But it's also just this. like the looming over. He's physically looming like, over her, too. Yeah, he's like, like up in a tree. Awkward. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And anyway. Then, anyway, so then she says vampire. And he's like, yeah. And I think at that point. <laughs> Except also no, though, because let, me, let us explain <laughs> let to us you explain. what they are. And then he like takes her on takes her on his back and they like run to another spot and yeah she, they do like, like an intense piggyback ride just he just <laughs> like runs around with her Bella on his back. getting on edward's back and then him running fast is like a thing that happens a lot in twilight well she's probably very slow compared to edward well, he's got is. places to be so you know okay so let's talk about these vampires so c- certain things okay. are the same like their skin is pale for reasons we'll discuss in a moment and uh they're <laughs> we'll come back to that Put and that they're that very one. attractive like them being very attractive is a big yeah and there's there's like the way that stephanie meyer explains this i think is that basically whatever features you had in life are enhanced when you are turned into a vampire and so like and then vampires are attracted to beauty yeah and so generally they're attracted to like beautiful people And then once they get turned, whatever level of beauty is now like extra because of this process. So it's like the best possible version, like the best version of yourself. Yeah. And they give this example, and I think this is kind of mean, but they give an example of a vampire. I don't even know who it was. Um, And they say that he's described in the book as being like nondescript or something like that. And they were like... Oh, yeah, that's because he was, like, really ugly in real life. No. And then he just became nondescript. And I was like, that is so rude. So like, when you become a vampire, a you, you get put on a scale. And wherever you are starting, you get five points added. It's so ridiculous. 
Anyway. <laughs> so they're very uh, beautiful, which I think, I mean, man. everybody in this movie is pretty good looking. So I don't know that the Cullens are movie, like, so yeah, I was like, I don't know that any, <laughs> I don't know the Cullens are like particularly good looking, but anyway, so then they have this weird eye thing where their eyes are a mood ring and their <laughs> eyes change colors. Um, so this is a, a weird thing to blood. me because like when we actually, okay, so let's talk, their eyes change colors for the following reason, <laughs> basically the distance and type of blood that they drink or, and like the time from when they drank blood. So if right. you drink human blood, your eyes turn red. If it's yep. been a while since you drank any blood, they get dark. Yeah. Like a year or something like that. Yeah. And then, oh, wait, no, no, no. If you're hungry, they, if go you're hungry, black. yeah. If they're, yeah. if you're hungry, they go black. And then if you are drinking animal blood, uh, then you are, you have gold eyes. So most of the Collins have gold eyes in the series. Cause they're vegetarian. Cause they're unquote. vegetarian, which like, if you live in forks and there's like one family and they all have gold eyes, you're like, this is weird. It's weird. It would be <laughs> weird. Don't you think? Gold eyes. First of all, if You'd you want to ask like, more questions, gold eyes, there's like a couple of diseases that spring to mind where I'm kind of like, we got to examine you for things like <laughs> copper levels and stuff. <laughs> like, check but out like, your copper. But like gold eyes. Yeah. You have an entire family of people with gold eyes. And then also you have people running around with red eyes. So you're like, what's happening? <laughs> you're like, that seems bad too. <laughs> um, so you're, you have weird colored eyes. You drink blood as we alluded to. So drinking blood is number one gross. Um, if you have ever tried a multivitamin with iron as a liquid, it that is what drinking blood <laughs> tastes like to me it's like a mouthful of pennies it's like a mouthful of pennies it's gross but um, thick also blood does fluid. weird things when it's in your body um like when although many cultures eat blood and that can be good like in chinese culture we'll eat like pig blood and stuff and soup the actual blood or the bone marrow blood oh okay i guess if you but then it's it like it, cubed like tofu but you prepare it in a certain way yeah you prepare it yeah you don't just like drink, drink the blood exactly and, right. and because one thing that although blood some does cultures do, also drink blood but one thing that blood does is it's a, what's the word? Makes you poop. Like when you have a GI bleed. <laughs> so, yeah. When you have a, it's a cathartic. Is that what it is called? Yeah, that works. I don't know. Anyway. Because so, I wouldn't quite use the word laxative because no, that implies laxative. like its purpose is a, is a laxative. Yeah. No, no, no. There's I think a cathartic is, right? Yeah. Because like when you have a, when you're bleeding in your stomach, for example, um, yeah. the presence of the blood actually makes you like poop it out. Um, yep. And, and it things happen to blood in your stomach with the acid and all that kind of stuff. But they drink blood that apparently they don't need to survive. But I thought they did need to drink blood. No, they they don't. It, it, it does drain them of their it makes them like weak. And then oh, okay. the longer you go without drinking blood, the more you want the blood. So it like makes you more like it makes you lose your humanity, which yeah. implies that these vampires have some humanity, which also like takes away from the whole vampire idea. Of like sure. kind of demon, evil, soulless, all that kind of thing. Um, and so it seems like uh, the number one type of blood they like to drink is witch's blood. The number two okay. is human blood. And then after that is like animal blood. Sure. And the Collins drink animal blood because they are <laughs> living they in society. Because they're vegetarians. And they're vegetarians. Um, so they also have superhuman strength and speed, obviously, and senses. Okay. Now, here's the part where our heads started to explode a little bit. Yeah, because we're getting to the part that, like, I know that you guys all want us to talk about, probably, if we're going to talk about Twilight Vampires, which is the sparkling. The sparkling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the sparkling, literally, I had no idea what Twilight was. I saw this movie in the movie theater, and once he did the sparkle thing, I laughed out loud. 
That's because it's hilarious. Because it is also, hilarious. Also, that scene is hilarious. Because, because like... <laughs> He's just, like, standing... Okay. With I, I just want you to picture like silver glitter that has like that specific kind of refraction that makes like rainbows and stuff, right? Yeah. And and it's basically like Robert Pattinson is like covered in silver. Covered in glitter. glitter. But the lead up to this, because we watched a, I watched a clip of, of this on YouTube, like we watched it together, and the lead up to this is him being like, I'll show you, but it's like horrible. It's kind of the implication. That's not what he says, but that's like the he tone says, that he it's has. Something like that. And it's yeah. like very serious, very like I'm about to show you something horrific. Brace yourself. And then he steps into the sunlight and he just sparkles like covered in glitter. <laughs> he's just totally sparkly. And I was like, how delightful. It's so whimsical. Yeah, like, he literally says something that's about? like, this is the face of a killer. And it's just like a yes, sparkly face. Yes. And it's so sparkly. And I was and like, did like, I miss okay. something? No, so, you did not. So uh, Stephanie Or possibly, Meyer, yes, a lot. Because here's the here's the thing. About I, we, we did miss a lot. So Stephanie Meyer has actually described like why they look like this, and yeah. uh, this is what she says. All right, they sparkle because they have turned to substance that is somewhat like diamond, hardest substance in the world, as far as we know. Uh, their bodies have hardened, <laughs> frozen into a kind of living stone. Each little cell in their skin has become a separate facet that reflects the light. These facets have a prism-like quality. They throw rainbows as they glitter. She literally says rainbows and glitter. Rain- so rainbows, like, as they, it's like some Lisa Frank, like... <laughs> yeah, but basically, they turn into, like, rocks. Yeah. People rocks. People, rock people. Rock people. That glitter. Yeah, and so their skin is supposed to be, like, impenetrable. And that's, like, why they are so hard to kill, is because their skin is impenetrable. And then I'm like, okay, if you're... made of rocks. If all of your skin is rocks, how does it move around? And then her... her <laughs> and uh, she thought explanation. of that. So Don't worry, she thought of it. Question. She says... Uh, she says that... So instead of having, like, blood and stuff, all the bodily fluids that you have are venoms. They're just, like, different types of venoms. And venom, I think, is just, like, the term that she uses it's just like a throwaway word yeah yeah this fluid so the venoms like the venoms like she says like lubricate the spaces between the diamond skin rocks yeah because now your cells are rocks so like of course i mean cells being rocks is a very challenging situation yes (laughs) and so uh there are some things that are kind of like this and they're not good (laughs) as we know right um yeah, so there's this one medical condition called fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva or progressiva. And like basically basically what happens is like your connective tissue becomes bone. Yeah. So fibrodysplasia means that something is wrong with the connective tissues. Right. Ossificans is like based on ossified, which means like bones, right? Yeah. Like becoming bones. Ossification, then, yeah, is bone making. Yeah. And then progressiva or progressiva is like progressive Progressive. (laughs) so so basically like this is a very very rare disease like there's less than i think a thousand cases worldwide i'm sure known like in history basically and it's basically a mutation of a specific gene in your body that is involved in um repairing damage and specifically like uh like muscle damage fibrous tissue damage stuff like that and your body is like filled with fibrous tissue like all of your muscles your tendons your ligaments everything is fibrous tissue and anytime those things experience trauma if you have this condition then it triggers a process to turn areas into bone 
Yeah. And it's it's basically like the only things that are spared essentially are basically like cardiac muscle, smooth muscle, so like your gut and stuff like that. Um, and then like your diaphragm, your tongue, and extraocular muscles. Okay. But otherwise, like everything else can could potentially turn into bone. And what happens is over time people's joints like yeah. stiffen up and like lock you get up contracted and, and locked up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, I think there's one really famous case that you can, if you look this up on Wikipedia, the case that they talk about is this one man that I think it was first described in. And he like, they didn't know it was wrong with him because what will happen is, is when you present, it's usually like some kind of trauma happened and then like you get a growth, right? Like a hard growth somewhere yeah, on your body. That's more than just and, like a keloid or something like that. Right. And so then you go to a doctor and there and oftentimes because this is so rare, um, your brain wouldn't necessarily go to, oh, this is what's happening. So the first things you think about are like, oh, is it cancer? Mm. Is it some kind of like just benign fibrous growth that I don't know anything about or whatever? And oftentimes what you do to figure that out is you biopsy. Yeah. Right. Or like you get some kind of surgical sample. At which, which time you've then, gone back into the thing again. Right. Which then triggers more ossification and more bone growth. And so this is basically what happened to that guy is like he kept undergoing surgical procedures because they didn't know what was happening. And so he kept just getting like surgeries that would then turn those areas of trauma into bone until like by the end of his life, I think like I think he could only move like his eyes or something. Oh, yeah. It was really terrible. That is sounds terrible. So we so the twilight vampires are basically in a luke cage situation right nothing yes. can penetrate their skin which is funny because well they're also like impervious to disease and stuff so carlisle is a doctor um oh yeah and uh yeah so they're they have a, they're in a luke cage situation nothing can get through their skin the only things that seem to be able to uh penetrate are like uh other vampire fangs and werewolf teeth for some reason for some reason but like bullets knives all that stuff not doing anything because they're made out of rocks because they're made out of rocks um i guess their bones are also i you said you wrote here are their bones shiny i would say I yes you wrote that did i write that no i think you read that. well then i'm gonna answer my own question yes i think that their their bones I think, must i think they would have to be because if the thing is that all of their cells now you have to just assume that any structural rocks. any structural cell is yeah diamond is diamonds now is diamonds but okay now. This Talk is about that shine I... bright like a diamond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's their theme song. Their theme song there's, is um, there's one thing that I saw when I was looking this up on, on, on the wiki that I just wanted to bring up, which is that at some point, apparently, Carlisle tells Bella that they have 25 pairs of chromosomes. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Though? From where and why? <laughs> like, why did becoming a vampire give you chromosomes? Why does Venom give each of your now diamond cells two more chromosomes? <laughs> but I guess if you have diamond cells, like, like anything's possible. Sure. I mean, we've yeah, talked we're in a about, world now where diamond cells are. But, okay. but as, like, as we talked about in superheroes and how they get their powers, this is like a Spider-Man situation where like something happens and it has to affect every single cell in the body. Every cell in your body. Right. Yeah. And so and and adding like whole chromosomes is challenging. <laughs> and a venom can't <laughs> to, do that. Yeah. To put it to put it mildly, it's yeah. challenging. Because the way that you become a vampire is to like get the venom in you and then it like turns you into the vampire. And then right. you produce and through a process of changing all of your cells into rocks. Right. And so you become like rock people like that. What is that character in Fantastic Four? The one that is a rock? 
Yeah. You're that like guy. that, except that you're sparkly. What is it? I think he has a terrible name, like The Thing or something like that. Is it The Thing? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so they have sparkly rocks. Um, and then the other thing is like, uh, the other thing I saw in the wiki was um, that they don't need to blink. There's a couple sure. things they don't need to do. They don't need to breathe and they don't need to blink. They sometimes... The not they breathing say that is they pretty breathe. common in vampire folklore because they're dead. Yeah. They said that In this they... case, it's their rocks, but... <laughs> <laughs> in this case the explanation for everything is that they're a rock um and the and they, they do say that i think in order to like make it possible to make this into a movie was that some sometimes the vampires just like breathe out of habit it's like a it's mm. like a vestigial human thing of just like breathing i want to say that that is what they say in buffy too oh, that, that they the breathe breathing out of is like is like a habit yeah left over because even alive. though they don't need to um, right. And they don't need to blink uh, because they just don't need to. The venom-based fluid that resides in the eyes fulfills now the function of tears and eyelids. So they never need to blink, which is like creepy. Oh, my God. I want to know. Like, Edward is all of these so creepy the as same? it is. Yeah. And now but you add like that he venoms, doesn't blink. Are all of these venoms the same? I don't think it is. I think they're different venoms. Or is it different venoms? So it's you think eye venom is different than the venom in between cells? 100% it is different. <laughs> That's what I think. I think eye venom is different than in between. Are all of them effective at transforming humans into vampires? No, I think only the one that comes out of your mouth is. That's so bizarre and specific. When they do turn Bella into, spoiler alert, into a vampire, um, I don't remember exactly (laughs) where that venom comes from. Because it, it comes from a syringe that Edward takes just out come of from a, a syringe, drawer. But I don't know where, like, how did? So here's my. Because apparently they we just will keep talk about syringes this. full of their venom. No, but here's the thing: how did the they place. get it into the syringe? Because their skin is impenetrable. Ooh, oh, make a note, people. We gotta talk Remember? about that. Remember, they have impenetrable. Maybe you can milk them like skin. a snake. Do what? You know how like snakes, you can milk venom out of snakes. Could you imagine sitting there like while Carlisle is like milking venom out of like Edward's mouth? <laughs> do they have they don't have fangs do they they don't have fangs they do i, I they maybe didn't. i think it's just their teeth i, I don't think they have like their teeth fangs. are just very hard and strong because they're made of because they're diamonds because <laughs> they're diamond teeth it's the hardest material <laughs> they're literally made out of diamonds um oh my gosh <laughs> so so yeah so let's see they have no other weaknesses except for werewolves um and that's about it. Unclear exactly why they need to drink blood. Uh, their daytime, nighttime thing is not actually as critical because they never have to sleep. Um, and it's not like they die in the sun. They're just very sparkly in the sun. Right. Which, again, I'm just like, I don't. Uh, it's not as horrific about as you like, think it is. Yeah, there's nothing about like word. garlic or entering people's houses or crosses or anything like that. So like these Twilight vampires are like hanging by a thread of even being vampires right in my i mean the only thing basically the only thing they have in common is that they drink the vampire mythology is the blood yeah and that they're like have some super superhuman powers they do have telepathy that's true yeah although yeah the telepathy i read was also kind of like it's uneven because not all of them have no it's not that all of them have it they like try to provide some explanation in the wikis about like some of them get the power that's like real telepathy some of them like can see the future like what's her name uh, ashley green's character i don't even remember their names now i don't know she can like kind of see the future their names Um, i just know bella and edward carlisle and jacob i know jacob and then we and carlisle because he said the 25 chromosomes or the yeah the 25 pairs of chromosomes thing yeah 
Also, Carlyle was a yeah. Confederate soldier. We can just put that in our pocket. Um, why they had to like <laughs> include the detail oh that God. Carlyle fought for the Confederacy. Whatever. There are a lot of details that you're kind of like, why though? You want to be like, wait, pause. Can we just like back up for a minute and like talk about yeah, this a like, little let's more? Let's not gloss over this. Like, let's let's oh, pause man. for a minute and be like, why this choice specifically? All right, like, but we do have to gloss over this because we've been talking about it for a long time. That's because it is. It is a lot. As we said, we said, let's talk about Twilight. And then we decided somehow, then we came up on three episodes at least worth of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're in it for a treat the next two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, like, just as a preface, like, made it so that I had to watch some of the most horrific clips on YouTube that I've (laughs) ever seen in my entire life. Like... They're ridiculous. We're doing this for anyway. you. Anyway. <laughs> so, All right, let's go to the resident lounge. <laughs> let's go to the resident lounge. So the resident lounge is where we talk about like interesting things that we kind of came across during the course of researching the episode. Um, and the thing that I came across is basically until 2003, rabies had a 100% fatality rate after symptom development. Gosh, impressive. And I had to say near 100% because in 2003, the first and potentially only case um, of a survivor of rabies was, I don't, this sentence is like falling apart as I'm saying it, but basically this teenage girl from Wisconsin survived rabies. So she, she got bitten by a bat that I think was like, she was trying to help, um, capture that was in their house or maybe a church. I forget, um, got bitten and then developed symptoms and they put her into like a chemically induced coma, like intubated, et cetera. Yeah. And then just gave her rounds of antivirals. Okay. And I didn't know that antivirals would work. I don't know that they actually did, and nobody knows if they actually did or if it was just time. Yeah. Right? But she came and then out of like it. and then she eventually like was able to wake up and then slowly regained function and stuff. And they Can you imagine she has so I, much information for her college essay? I know, that's true. They I think they called it the Milwaukee Protocol, which is basically this idea that you like induce a coma and then kind of try to wait it out a little bit with like supportive care and antivirals and so they they've tried this on other people who have come in with symptomatic rabies and thus far it has not worked oh my gosh they don't know twins in 2016 you guys did she really yeah it says because the the headline of the story is wisconsin woman who survived rabies gives birth to twins she's like a local celebrity i mean she should be it's impressive and i don't know they don't know if like basically nobody knows why this happened like they don't know if like Maybe the strain of rabies was weaker that she was infected with. Did she somehow have antibodies like beforehand or some other kind of somehow? Like, I don't really know. And nobody knows, essentially. But this protocol has like has not worked so far on anybody else is my understanding. So she's the only survivor of rabies. That was in 2003. There might be another one. I'll, I'll we'll Deepa, put this... Deepa's like obviously looking stuff Sorry, sorry. Right I'm looking up stuff right now. There's an article in Scientific American. I have to read the whole thing. But some girl in Chile, where they're where they're doing this, where they did the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. I, if you're if we're talking about the same article, which I think is in the liner notes, it's yeah. called Medical Mystery. Um, yes. Only one person has survived rabies yes, before. Yes. They at the end of the article, they don't know yet. Oh, okay. If the girl from Chile survives, because she's it at the time of the article, she was basically like, oh yeah, this girl was like in, in the New York Times. There's so many videos of her with her twins. Yeah, I'm sure because she's the only person to have survived rabies. Wow, like good for her. That is impressive. I I didn't have anything for the resident lounge because I was just too traumatized by the diamond skin. I kind of think almost like Twilight is in the like 
body of this podcast episode because it's the it was our jumping off point for why we were going to talk about vampires in the first place but really the whole twilight thing because it, they aren't quite that- vampires really could be a resident lounge thing, <laughs> where it's like where it was like like hashtag did you know that oh wait twilight vampires aren't vampires yeah they're rocks they're just <laughs> <laughs> they're sentient rocks you guys they're sentient rocks with feelings they can have real feelings i mean the whole thing all of twilight is about feelings that is true and then like that's my understanding and then also at some point it becomes like a political battle between werewolves and vampires and treaties and all that kind of stuff and then maybe like Our, vampire mafia people vampire mafia yeah understanding. yeah dakota fanning is in this like i said there are good actors in this this movie was done to them <laughs> or i guess oh, these man. series of movies although nowadays uh like Kristen stewart does speak fondly of those times I don't know that the world treated her particularly well during it, which is... I do think that the world in general is kind of unfair to... Female actresses. Twilight fans (laughs) and female actresses and people who are really into, like, franchises, right? Like, it's easy to hate on stuff that YA, like, that young adults like, and particularly if those young adults are women. But, like, Twilight is not any worse written or more vapid than, like, The Transformers, i would argue it is definitely better written (laughs) so i mean but they you know like that doesn't get as much backlash so that's a whole different discussion that's a whole different discussion anyway anyway so uh we're gonna thank you for uh listening to we gotta review the thing oh shoot you're right i blew it okay (laughs) what are we reviewing are we reviewing twilight vampires right that's what we're gonna review well, that is the jumping off point. Okay, us. so let's I feel review. Like we have to review Twilight Vampires. Quality of vampires in Twilight. Go. <laughs> Zero out of five. Zero out of five diamond teeth because <laughs> they are not vampires. They are rocks. So I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it one out of five uh non-blinking eyes. Um, (laughs) because at the very least they live forever and drink blood i mean i guess (laughs) i don't even give them that though because that falls apart when they're no longer vampires because now you just have rocks that drink blood for no reason (laughs) like why (laughs) why is that that the thing (laughs) that these rocks need i don't get it so the title of this is gonna be (laughs) vampires or rocks that drink blood (laughs) Oh Rocks my gosh. It. Anyway. Anyway. Just just wait until next time. It gets even better. Guys, it so, gets better. <laughs> it gets better. Um, so thanks for listening. And we will definitely see you next time. Thanks for listening to Doc's Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Doc's Watch Pod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com. <laughs>